Today on This Week Health. I think we've evolved from, hey, we need to make sure people have data to what we really need is to make sure they have actionable information and they're not the same thing. It's not the same to just send someone a whole bunch of HL7 data if they can't do anything with it. Welcome to This Week Health Community. This is Town Hall, a show hosted by leaders on the front lines with interviews of people making things happen in healthcare with technology. My name is Bill Russell, the creator of This Week Health, a set of channels designed to amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. We want to thank our show sponsors, Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5 in partnership with Sirius Healthcare for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show. Hello, everyone. My name is Carla Arzola, and I'm the IT Director at Swedish Medical Center at HA Hospital here in Colorado. And today we have one of my favorite women leaders in Colorado, Deanna Town. Deanna is the CIO of Contexture, which is the health information exchange for Arizona and Colorado, and it is the largest HIE in the Western region. Diana previously served as an IT director and acting deputy chief customer officer of the governor's office of information technology. And last month, Diana was honored as CIO of the year in the corporate category of the Colorado OV Awards. So Diana, thank you for sharing this space with us and welcome. So why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you so much, Carlin. Really a pleasure to be here with you today and to have an opportunity to partner on something that seems so exciting and so fun. So thank you very much. Very thankful to be part of this. Again, I am the Chief Information Officer at Contexture. I have been in the HIE space for about four years now. Been IT for well over a decade. Most of my career was in the public sector. So I've spent a lot of time in state and local government and am just really excited to be part of such a, an important and fast moving and fascinating industry of healthcare information technology. Awesome. Well, thank you, Deanna, for that. And Something else that I wanted to bring up is September is Hispanic Heritage Month, and the timing couldn't be better. I know, Diana, that you have a Hispanic background. And before we talk about your work, can you share a little bit about your heritage and maybe a fun story or a fun fact? Absolutely. I was born and raised in Pueblo, Colorado. My grandparents were both born in Mexico, my grandmother in Michoacan, Mexico, and my grandfather in a border town, Eagle Pass, on the United States side. My mother's maiden name was Jimenez. A fun fact about my family is that every Christmas, like many Hispanic families, we make tamales. And every year, even though our family size goes down, the number of tamales seems to go up. And so last year, we made 16 dozen tamales <gasps> because the more people find out that we make tamales, the more ask for it and expect them to be delivered and shared at Christmas time. So a great tradition, as long as my mother has been alive, which she just turned 69 this week. We have never missed a year. So even with the passing of my grandparents, we are proud and excited to carry on that tradition and really enjoy doing that as a family. Oh, that's amazing. So what is your favorite flavor? I have to ask. I am a basic. I love the pork, hot pork, red chili inside. Although we have made the sweet tamales with raisins and sugar and all sorts of different, but for the most part, I'm a traditional, the hotter, the better. That's awesome. But thank you for sharing that with us. I know I've heard, I mean, we talked before and you are my fellow Mexican from Mexico too. So it's always 
fun to hear other stories. And it seems like everybody has something in common. I mean, we do the same thing. My grandma passed. And unfortunately, after that, nobody in my family could tamales anymore. Well, come make tamales. I have to pay you for that. Yes. (laughs) Every year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. So, okay. So let's jump into business. We talk about contexture and we talk about two HIEs. And I know there was a recent merger. And so can you give us a little bit of background and share with us what was the strategy behind that? Absolutely. I think we see this in across the health information exchange market overall. A lot of mergers, acquisitions, consolidations. I think everyone recognizes that the days of a patient going to one place and being seen in one facility only or having a single primary care doctor or staying in one place, those just don't exist. And so the more information, the more data, the more clinical, meaningful data that we can pull together to give our providers and healthcare community trying to serve our patients the more holistic view of the patient, the better. So a great driver of our merger was we had two very large HIEs in states with close proximity doing very similar functions. And so as IT overall, I mean, IT expense just continues to increase as new threats are out there and risks, new security features are needed and new security packages. And it just is this continually increasing cost center that as we're able to pull similar functions together, we should see additional economies of scale and slow the rate at which we see IT expense increase while promoting a more holistic picture of the patient. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so Speaking of that, right, so you bring two big companies together, and obviously everybody has different processes, different technology, just different people, period. And so obviously during a big merger, there's, you know, you have to have a very solid management or change management process to be able to be successful and make sure that those two organizations are aligned. So can you talk about that and how do you prepare for this? Absolutely. I think there are two components of change management and both are equally important. The first is organizational change management. How do we make sure that our people are coming on board, that they buy into the idea, they're supportive and that they feel part of the process. And that started at the very beginning of the merger room and will continue well into the future. The technical change management has been something that I'm really passionate about. We leverage IT service management, kind of the principles following ITIL, IT Information Library, and have pushed out a fairly rigorous technical change management process. So we have a policy in place, we have a process that's followed, and that has really allowed us to be very thoughtful in the way we make changes to our production environments. That's been especially important as now we're trying to manage multiple. We're managing you know, two large health information exchange infrastructures across two states. So being really thoughtful about the way we push changes into our environments and ensure that we really understand what the touch points are, what the risks are, do we have a rollback plan, just to make sure that as we're trying to evolve and merge and bring infrastructure together, that at the end of the day, our most important thing is that we do no harm to our current participants. We want the systems that they've come to rely on and value to be there when they need them. And so our technical integration can't put that at risk. And so we work really hard to do that. It's of course not always perfect. Sometimes we push a change and it breaks something. And that's where again, IT service management is so valuable because we also have stood up major incident management where we have a really formal process of something happens. What do we do? Who's called in? Who responds? How do we respond? How do we document? And then of course that flows right into problem management. So once you get on the other side of getting the systems back up, what were the root cause? Not just the system went down, but why? 
what exactly happened and how do we make sure we don't repeat it in the future and making sure we have documentation at every step along the way. I wanted to take a moment and share our next two webinars. On September 29th, we are bringing you Patient Room Next, Improving Care Efficiency. The patient room is evolving inside and outside of the four walls with guests from Intermountain Healthcare, Monument Health, and HCA Healthcare. We will discuss machine vision, ambient listening, AI, care companions, and much more. So you want to check that out. It's September 29th. You can find that on our website, thisweekhealth.com, in the top right-hand corner. Next, we have Delivering Better Patient Experiences with Modern Digital Infrastructure. On October 13th, we will discuss multi-cloud, three pillars to modernize health IT, and a blueprint for creating an agile digital infrastructure without impacting the quality of care. These webinars both have five episodes that precede them, and you can view them before the webinar to learn more and to formulate your questions. When you register, you can put your questions right in there. We'd love to hear them. And you can uh, register for both webinars, as I said earlier, at thisweekhealth.com. Top right-hand corner, you'll see our upcoming webinars. Click on those and sign up. Love to see you there. Absolutely. And so during the transition, right, I'm sure you've had, I mean, many successes, obviously, but I'm sure you've had challenges as well. Can you talk about both? And how do you guys approach either of those challenges and successes? One of my favorite principles of not just leadership, but just approaches to the day-to-day work is continual service improvement, to be willing to try new things. And that really does take, I say this all the time, but it takes a level of confidence. I think one thing that we've done really well is we're willing to try, we're willing to change, we're willing to fail. And it's fail fast, fail often, learn from it, pick it up and do it again. You know, I love that about it. You would think about a toddler learning how to walk, they don't take a few steps, fall and decide, nope, <laughs> tried it, didn't work, I'm over it, it's not going to happen again. They pick themselves back up, take a few more steps, fall again. And it's that process by which they then learn. And then of course, all of a sudden they're walking and you're like, will you please stop moving? But I think that that's one thing we've done really well within Contexture as an organization is we are willing to train on things. We're thoughtful about it, but we try it. And then if it doesn't work, we start right back over and do it again. And so as we're bringing in new infrastructures and new processes and trying to take lessons learned from two organizations, we're going to hit those bumps over and over. And we're just going to keep going because at the end of the day, I think just like that little person the end of the day needs to learn how to walk as an organization, we need to learn how to cohesively function and keep moving and again, deliver products and services that help the community who's trying to take care of the people who need it. Awesome. But that's awesome. I'm so happy that it's obviously going well for you guys. You've been on this journey for quite a bit, but officially you merged, I believe somewhere in mid last year. Was it April, May? July 1st. July 1st. 2021. Time flies. I'm not I sure know. what happened, but I know. Yes. I know. It is crazy. It's going by too fast. And so what are some of the key technology initiatives that you guys are working on right now? Our primary focus right now is again, kind of consolidation and integration on just a, on a given month, we bring in 55 million plus HL7 messages. All of those messages are identity managed. We provide normalization and terminology services. And so we really are at just this massive repository of data. One of the efforts that I am the most proud of and have been the most excited about, and I can't wait to see really grow legs and start being spread across many communities in both states is a consolidated care summary product. We built this in close partnership with our partners at HCA Health One. 
It's a product that's really cool because when a patient shows up in an ER, the ADT message that's automatically triggered from the EHR and already coming across to us automatically in the interface, we use an A01 or A04 trigger. The second that hits our infrastructure, we go and gather all of the HL7 data from hospital centers and all of the ambulatory data that we have from various clinics. We normalize it, we deduplicate it, and we remove all of the Health One data and drop it right back via direct secure mail into an inbox so that then the data is parsed and the provider can get the information they need. On average, I think it, last time I looked, it was less than 10 seconds. So from the admission trigger to 10 set plus 10 seconds, that provider has all the information that's in the HIE and what a robust amount of information, whether it's coming from skilled nursing facilities, pediatricians, we now have connections with this a wide range of different types of facilities. So that emergency room physician can actually provide the best care because they have the most information. And it's not just a whole bunch of data that they can't get through. It's been cleaned and when they're not seeing echoes, they're not seeing the same data they already have in their EHR. It's actually value add data. And I just think that that's a product that really can make a huge difference in patient care. Wow, that's amazing because really, that's really what we need in order to be able to take care of our patients, not only when they come to the hospital, but obviously post-care. And that has always been one of the biggest challenges in healthcare is the interoperability, right? It's systems and having a HIE that is able to provide that information is extremely valuable. And so you mentioned Health One, yay, being one of the health systems doing this. Do you have more candidates? I mean, are you planning to expand this to other healthcare systems? What's the that side? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So a couple things. One is that I, the use case I just described was built, like I said, in partnership with Health One, specifically for the emergency room use case, but the same technology can be used for a member file. So if someone, if an organization is trying to do risk stratification or wants to get all that information on just their standard patient list to have in their EHR, we can do that as well without a problem. So there's a lot of flexibility there. We recently moved to a new pricing model that is enterprise pricing. And what that allows is for most of our large hospital systems that have now shifted over to enterprise pricing, A, they have full access at the platinum level to all of our products and services, but B, in a lot of cases, it's much more cost-effective because it includes support for the hospital transformation program too. What I think will happen as a result of those hospitals shifting to the platinum agreement, it includes our consolidated care summary product in their packaging. So I think we're going to see a lot more coming, knocking on the door. We also can filter it by the specific facilities. If someone just wants data from a specific center, a specific facility. I only want data from this facility. We can send just that too. So lots of flexibility there. And again, I think we've evolved from, hey, we need to make sure people have data. So what we really need is to make sure they have actionable information and they're not the same thing. It's not the same to just send someone a whole bunch of HL7 data if they can't do anything with it. Right. Absolutely. But that's super exciting. And like I always sell my CIO executives, especially in our Colorado community. I mean, I appreciate all the work that you guys do because you're really committed to the care of our patients and our population. So it's very exciting to hear that we have passionate people such as yourself doing great work. And is there anything else you want to add, Yana? I want to say thank you so much, Carla, to you for having me and for doing something so exciting and wonderful. It has been a pleasure to get to know you and many other healthcare leaders. I think now is the time for all of us to make a difference. 
And we'll do that by working together, by recognizing we share the same challenges. We have the same opportunities sitting in front of us. And the more that we can collaborate and share information and learn from one another, the better we're all going to be on the other side of it. At the end of the day, of course, we all need to make sure that our organizations can stay in business and function. But we really do all care about patient care. And I think that's the goal. And that's where we're all moving towards. Absolutely. Well, Deanna, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on all your accomplishments. I know there's more to come from you. So thank you so much. And I appreciate the time. Take care. Thank you, Carla. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I really love the show. I love hearing from people on the front lines. I love hearing from these leaders. And we want to thank our hosts who continue to support the community by developing this great content. We also want to thank our show sponsors, Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5 in partnership with Sirius Healthcare for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. If you want to support the show, let someone know about our shows. They all start with This Week Health, and you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. There's Keynote, Town Hall, and Newsroom. Check them out today. And thanks for listening. That's all for now.